0: Hello everyone, my name is Aaron Alexander, and today I am talking in a ridiculous accent. I apologize if that makes anyone uncomfortable. This is the Line Podcast. I am your host, Aaron Alexander. And today I got to speak to Miss Jill Miller. She is the founder of Yoga Tune Up. She is a writer. She is a phenomenal human being to chat with. And in this conversation, we got into all sorts of great stuff. We got into optimal ways of maintaining your body. We got into the value of your feet for circulation. We got into eating disorders such as anorexia and bulimia and how to work with that
1: trusting my body yeah. and the way i could trust my body was actually studying it and learning it every part of your body reflects your story
0: super fun talk um pretty deep and um i had a, just just a, such a fun time getting to chat with jill uh be sure to leave a review share Comment all that stuff on iTunes. Greatly appreciate it. Uh, check out the website AlignTherapy.com. That's A-L-I-G-N Therapy.com. On there, you will find my blog. You will find hundreds of self-care videos on. Uh, well, not just self-care. You will find hundreds of videos in general on self-care, on functional movement, on how to get the most out of your body. Uh, online coaching. You'll find self-care kit, which is just a radical product, um, and so much more than that. You guys are gonna have a great time. Get a lot. Lot of value of it and I appreciate you checking it out here we go back to the show with miss Jill see ya online podcast so Jill Miller thank you so much for being on the show greatly appreciate your time um, I want to just get started off and um, just get a sense of like what's your background how'd you get into fitness and movement and self-care and all that all that stuff what's how'd you get into it the,
1: the background, background story. well the, the- the backstory. Yeah. It, well, first of all, Jill Miller, that's my name. I'm the creator of or uh, the writer of a book called The Role Model, and I'm a co-founder of a company called Tuneup Fitness Worldwide. I create self-care fitness formats for gym chains, yoga studios, uh, medical training facilities worldwide. And I have about 350 teachers that teach my work across the planet how that came to be is a long and complicated story but the the short version of it is that i was a really i was kind of the chubby kid i was the kid that played with dolls i grew up in a solar home off the grid in santa fe new mexico and i mean i walked i walked with the dogs but i was i was an indoor kid i wasn't into sports and i was i was pretty chunky and i was very disembodied like You know, I'm an embodied person now, so, you know, looking backwards in time, I can say, wow, I was really uncoordinated and klutzy, big, thick glasses. I mean, I was that girl. I I was really smart and um, annoying, and I'm still kind of smart and annoying, but anyway... My mom brought home the Jane Fonda workout and the Raquel Walsh yoga video. Nice. Which I don't know if I think I think I I think I carbon date a little heavier than you do, Aaron, but every you know, morning back in the I
0: get down to Jane Fonda. <laughs> I don't care about my age.
1: <laughs> you know, she it stands the test of time. Actually it doesn't. If you want to have a rotator cuff for a lifetime, you probably shouldn't be doing the original um, JF workouts. So, I got really into these workouts with my mom initially, and, you know, I felt like they hurt me. I was so sore. I couldn't touch my toes. I was winded. You know, all of the things that happen when you first start exercising, because you've never exercised in your life. And, um, And then I became obsessed with them. I mean, I was completely obsessed with these videos. And... To the degree that you could say, oh, I discovered I had an obsessive compulsive tendency, which I did. I became body obsessed, I became food obsessed, I dropped um, about 35 pounds, and I became anorexic. And But what that was, was those videos were a catalyst for my body awakening, and it sent me on a very long journey which included mental therapy to deal with my eating disorders because it wasn't just anorexia, but I became bulimic. Um, But also I started to explore different modalities of yoga, movement, dance, massage. Um, Eventually I found myself working with the fine people at the Omega Institute for Holistic Studies when I was in college. I went there. Are Are you familiar with the Omega Institute? I am not. Not, this is a, a holistic retreat center in the East Coast, oh, yeah. and there are just hundreds and hundreds of educators there that teach in, in the well-being space. And um, I lived there. I, I did, like, work exchange. I lived in a tent And I sold sundries to Deepak Chopra and Roseanne Cash and Phil Jackson and like all sorts of people in the like greater holistic space. Um, But I met my teacher there. I met a movement educator, a yoga teacher and body, hands-on body master named Glenn Black. And he took me under his wing. He taught me everything he knows. And uh, flash forward 20 something years later, here I am. Um, having gone down many many, many different channels of study in the movement arts, the healing arts, and the biological sciences to get to the place where I am today, which is I like to help people learn how to self-treat themselves and take their that their fitness practices should be a practice of self-care.
0: Okay. Um, so this show, we're, we're master of tangents here on the show. So I wanted, wasn't expecting oh. to talk about. <laughs> here we go. I talked too much. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm saying I'm, I, I am the, the ringleader of the tangent. So I'm about to go down a okay. tangent. So I wasn't, okay. I wasn't expecting gotcha. to talk about bulimia and anorexia, but oh, um, I'm really curious about all that stuff. Are we video taping? out? Are you video I have to I'm because I'm
1: still like so distracted by the fact that you're not yeah. wearing a
0: shirt. Yeah. Let me just Aaron tell the listener not wearing a shirt he interviews. Also standing <laughs> on a foam roller. You got to check that out. Balancing on this thing as I do this show. That's kind of a, that's something my trademark. So you got, up. Yoga boom. tuna ball. Nice. Get you. Yeah, so I interesting guess. thing. Here's my ball. So uh, Jill Miller and I are, are very similar in certain senses, probably contrast in other senses, I'm sure. Um, but we both offer self-care products and we both are kind of trying to help the world in that sense of, you know, people are moving kind of, you know, funny or not quite moving enough in their bodies. And we need to figure a way to address that in a momentary basis. You know, so my perspective on things, again, another tangent, but my perspective on things with this is that... <laughs> It's not it's not about, you know, okay, great, you went to the gym for an hour, so you're good for the day. You know, it's about what are you doing every moment of the day because 100% of the time you're practicing being you, your tissue is developing. You know, and so having the tools around. Thank you so much Jill Miller you know, for creating systems like this, you know, to give us some type of medium, some type of outlet to get into experiencing ourselves to our fullest potential, because we get gunked up by this tissue if we do not move dynamically and functionally. So,
1: (laughs) yeah, you know, one of my moves in the book is called something ungunk. I can't remember what body part, but literally, that's the name of the move. It's something ungunk. So I, I I feel you. I feel your the the need to help people become more of themselves through their movement patterns. Oh,
0: it's a big thing. It's a big thing, you know. And so one of the things that I'm curious about in regards, I get I get really really fascinated by all this psycho emotional biological physical relationships. Um, yes. so with something like, like bulimia or anorexia, yes. if there's any folks out there that are, are listening that may have friends that are dealing with that or that themselves are dealing with that, you're like, what was your path with that? How did it start? What was the reason it started and how did that impact your physical body? Not just at a, obviously at a cellular level, it was a real bummer on all sorts of levels, but like structurally, what was that like?
1: You know, I, Oh God, that's such a complicated, ugh, such a complicated question. Um, You know, anorexia and bulimia are the two deadliest diseases for young women. More women perish from those mental illnesses than any other mental illness. And so it is extremely um, dear to my heart. To be able to actually broadcast that these were afflictions that I had, and that I've healed from them, and that it is possible to heal, and a lot of that healing has to do with learning to accept yourself. And for me, learning my, learning more about my biology, learning about hormones, learning about, um, you know, not just the like the emotional negativity that was in my life, but but starting to use my, uh, trusting my body. Yeah. And the way I could trust my body was actually studying it and learning it. And learning learning many bodies, not just my own, but learning about structure and learning about um, the influences that were under-consciously and unconsciously. So in terms of ramifications of the um, behaviors, especially with bulimia, because bulimia is a, um, a very aggressive... Um, uh, boy, it's an aggressive whip on the body. If you, it depends on the, what your is. Some people abuse laxatives. I was a, a throw upper, and so, in some ways, going down your throat, you get to you get to acquaint yourself with a really cool sphincter. <laughs> you get to acquaint Seriously. yourself with the glottis, yeah. and as a person who practiced. Yoga for many, 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 many years. Sphincter control is actually a really cool gateway to the autonomic nervous system. So now I can spin it around and say, like, "Oh, look at me! And I was like exploring my, uh, you know, my throat sphincters," and um, which actually now gives me some pretty amazing insight into uh, or abilities into downregulation. At the time, of course, I was not downregulated; I was a nervous wreck. Um, the the action of throwing up and this is going to sound crazy I've never talked about this on a podcast or to very few humans but the 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 retching action through your neck and T spine um, can have consequences it's like a mini whiplash right. and wow. you know Add to that, I was a neck cracker, I was always cracking my neck, and so I actually created some degeneration in my in my neck that I still deal with today on some level, but I think it was directly related to that sort of the action of retching mm-hmm. um, and then there's there 's other internal things that happen with with uh, throwing up that are extremely destructive to the lining of your esophagus and you know, the mucous membranes of your mouth. I have a um, is this of interest to you? I'm so talking much. About oh these. yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So I have this amazing. My best friend in LA is a pastry chef. She's one of the top pastry chefs in the world. She's won two James Beard Awards. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna name her name because I don't want her husband to become overwhelmed with clients. Because I'm about to talk about my dentist, who is her husband. So the top pastry chef in the world is married to a dentist. I took them on their first date. So I, I'm very proud of this. That sounds but evil. um. When I, went to the, when I went to him for the first time, because you know, she was my friend and then this date happened and, and then I met him and then I was like, oh, I need a new dentist, so I started going to see him. So I sat in his chair and he, I said, oh, you know, I have a little gum recession. He looked at my mouth and looked at my mouth and he pulled back and he just really subtly said, oh, do you have acid reflux? And... I took a deep breath, and I started to cry, and I realized in that moment that the receding gums that I've had for the last, you know, 15, 20 years were from the bulimia, were from throwing up. I thought that I had no symptoms other than, oh, this little neck thing, but he could see it like rings of a tree on my teeth, and it was so it was just so amazing to, to to have found myself in the hands of the teeth the tooth whisperer that you know every part of your body reflects your story and here's this guy reading my gums like tea leaves and I'm able to you know also met, say to him because I'm I'm open about that it's like oh no, no. I don't have acid reflux I was bulimic so anyway there's the gum recession story. Um, healing from anorexia and bulimia is a, is a long road. It's a really, really long road because you have to eat to live. If you're an alcoholic or if you're you know, addicted to certain pill medications, you can abstain. But you can't abstain from food. You have to actually make peace with your body. And um, that's, it's not an easy thing to do. It's to learn to like your body. Not love it, but just like it. And the way you can like it is start to familiarize yourself with its textures the way it feels um, with movement with pleasure all of those things
0: awesome yeah that's um, that's a really powerful story and it's 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 so powerful because I think that we we oftentimes kind of like take for granted this this physical body that we live in. You know, it's kind of just like it's this it's this vehicle. It's like my toyota pickup, you know, it gets me to work. You know? And Run so, until it breaks. Right, totally. Run right until the wheels fall off. You know, it's like and one of the things I, I I say sometimes is like, you know, we all know where to go when the wheels have fallen off. You know, but it's like very few of us really know about how to maintain this dynamic fluid organism that we call our vehicle, you know? And so it's like getting integrated, you know, integration is like, that's like my whole business is integration. You're getting integrated with your body. You know, it's such a complex experience. You know, it's like with anything, when you're starting some type of hobby or whatever it is, I say don't even get started if you're not passionate about it, you know, because you're going to go through some degree of plateau or dip or whatever it is. And it's just like, if you can't really, really get involved with playing the guitar or whatever it is, like find something else that you're passionate about, you know, and I think that it's all of our right to, to be passionate about being ourselves, you know, about being in this <laughs> physical body. You know, and if you if you if you miss that, and it's so easy in this reality to miss that, because we end up looking at, you know magazine covers or TV or you know whatever it is, and we have this conception of what we're supposed to be. you know And then all of a sudden you look at yourself and it's like, oh, that's that's incongruent well that's stressful you know like that's like Mm -hmm. you know that's that is stress is incongruency between you know what your essence is or who you you know you really are and your actions you know and so it's the same concept it's like when you have that incongruency of what you think that you should be and who you actually are there is going to be consequences, you know? And so it's, it's always so fascinating to me to, to get to meet people. it's like, I look at all of this stuff as a gift, bulimia, gift, you know, shoulder surgery, gift, you know, your, your mom died when you were whatever gift, you know, it's like all of that because you get to experience yourself at a different level, you know? So, was there, was there like actionable techniques or something that I mean, I mean, technique might be a little bit yeah. too like sterile of a word, but like something that was really helpful with you of accepting yourself and really getting to know yourself and be passionate about being in your skin and understanding your skin.
1: That the, everything you just said is, is, is truth, man. It's <laughs> so much truth. Um, and the way I the, literally the, the reason the bulimia story is so important is because I went to a yoga class when I was 19 or 18, or I can't, know, can't remember when it was, maybe 18 years old. Went to a yoga class when I was 18 years old. And this was in Chicago. I went to Northwestern University. I was studying dance and movement there. And I was doing you know yoga classes on the side, studying with masters who would come into town. And I remember telling a local teacher whose studio I used to go to that I was bulimic and that I couldn't feel my abs in Pilates class. You know how like, you know, you feel the burn. Like my roommate was pre-med and she was always so sore after Pilates and I was never sore. And I was like, oh, you know, I'm never sore in my abdomen, but I couldn't feel it. Right. I wasn't activating the right muscles. I was just going all the way around them. By the way, I was also throwing up and like I had this huge dead zone in my in my center. And so I told my teacher this and she said, oh, well, here's what you should do if you you know your abs are, are dead or whatever. Um, here's this beanbag looking hamburger bun. So it was this object at the the Iyengar studio at the time. It was this uh, looked like a hamburger bun and it was stuffed with sand. It was a beanbag. She said, put it on your abdomen and lay face down. And I put this object in my abdomen, I laid face down like she said, and and breathed, and it hurt. It hurt so much. And it didn't just hurt because it hurt physically. Um, It hurt because I finally actually felt something. And I could feel what I had been doing to myself. It was literally the linchpin that opened up my somatic connection to my core, was having this object that pressed into my gut. So I being the great OCD student that I was, I started to do this every day in my dorm room. I didn't have a beanbag, but I would roll up a little hand towel. Then I would place it on different parts of my abdomen every day before I would do anything else and breathe, uh, let my belly uh, rest around this towel. And um, flash forward many years later, I started experimenting with different objects, soft, squishy balls that had a lot of grip. And the whole way I went into massage or hands-on work was because of this this thing that I used to lay on on my stomach. And on the cover of my book, there's a woman holding on to what is now called the gorgeous ball, and it's this grippy, pliable, hollow, soft skin ball that I use to help people who have abdominal pain, um, scar tissue, uh, challenge breathing patterns. We use this on our gut and on our rib cage. It's a a wonderful tool to give you feedback about the stresses you have in your gut and your rib cage and um and lo and behold a lot of people their story just starts to unravel from their center so this was the technique literally the technique that i used to finally give me insight into the pain that i was stuffing and the pain that I was holding, um, and the pain that could be liberated.
0: Yeah, yeah, and it's, it's it's such a fascinating topic where you get into that, you know, the, again the, the psycho-emotional physical connection. You know, so I do I do body work for a living. You know, so yeah. I I work with people. I do hands-on work, and then that combined into the self-care and you know the movement and all that stuff too. But you know, I do a lot of hands-on work with people, and it's. It's so amazing, you know, when you we recognize that the way that we carry this physical body impacts the way that we feel and that we can actually impact the way that we feel by changing our physical structure, you know, the, but the really interesting part about that is, you know, the more that Annie gets raised up by, you know, whatever, emotional pain or whatever it may be, we have the tendency of holding on to pain. It's a real bummer, you know, and the reason being, it's like when you want to cry you know it's like everybody can do this right now you have that like you know you clench up right you clench up your midsection you fold over into what we call hyperkyphosis you know and you your head comes forward and it's like you know you go into this like cathartic state you know it's like and your whole body grabs you know it's like we don't do that when we're happy (laughs) when we're happy it's the antithesis you know we're happy it's open up open up heart open up belly open up organs open up neck You know, and so when we get into this, it's like everyone needs to look at this because what we end up doing is we end up scrambling these signals and we don't realize it because we happen to be living in defeated patterns. You know so I mean this has been shown, there's science about this where your testosterone levels will increase, your cortisol levels will decrease by standing in a victory position, like your chest up, throat open, Amy you know, all Cuddy. That. Right, you know Amy
1: Amy Cuddy. I talk about her in my book. Yeah. Awesome.
0: Yeah, it's so it's so fascinating. You know, people do the same thing around the world no matter what. If you're a blind person, you win structurally the same way and you lose structurally the same way mm. as anybody else. You know, and mm-hmm. so when you get into this. Those, those binds that hold us oftentimes in the belly or in the armpits or in the groin or those places that we kind of hold tight and hold close. There is a lot of emotional stuff tied up in there and people get uncomfortable about this and, you know, they call it woo woo or, you know, it's like oh, that's some new agey crap or whatever it is. You know, it's like we fear what we don't understand, you know, and, and this stuff is like, it's like the core of fear. You know, it's literally, it's like our fear suitcase, you know, we put it in our belly, we put it in our back, you know, it's like we throw it and we say, save it for later. Eventually it starts to build up, you know, so I'm curious, is that something that you've experienced in your own practice of people carrying whatever, some, some weight or tension or, or some type of like emotional connection within their, their belly and their armpits or just, just anything. What's your experience with that and yourself as well?
1: well i i one one thing I usually back off of is saying you know well everybody's got their anger in their right butt cheek right, <laughs> and yeah. everybody's got you know in their left side of their jaws where grandpa lives and, <laughs> and then uh you know like I try not to to map other people's um, you know g- you know g- gross emotional uh um landmarks. I want people to discover their own story. So I try to remain extremely neutral while being suggestive. Like, Hey, you know, the thing is, is your brain tunnels all over your body, right? Your nervous system ain't just in your brain and spinal cord. Your, your entire body is covered with these nerve endings that sense things. And it's covered with nerve endings that create actions for you, contractions. So it's, it's um, completely reasonable that you're rolling over, you're rolling yoga tuna balls or whatever other objects you're using to self-massage yourself, and then all of a sudden, it's like a trap door. It's like a speed bump of emotion. You start to cry, you start to laugh, you start to um, have erotic thoughts, it Just uh, you start to get very angry. These emotions that sort of filter up might even be completely... Um, unconnected to a story, like all of a sudden you're having emotion, but there's no place. You're like, oh, this isn't about the time that I, I fell on my knee outside of, um, you know, the Palm restaurant or whatever it is. You know, so I encourage my students to be a witness and to also welcome the need to process emotion without attachment to any end result, so I think it's, you know, I am not a psycho, uh, I'm not a psychotherapist. There are many psychotherapists who actually are yoga tune-up teachers who can actually really help uh, t- people to do some very, very deep resolution around emotional trauma and it, the the process of releasing emotion from the tissues. Actually, one of the chapters in my book is called Rolling for Your Soul. Mm. And when when I put a call to action out to our users, to our, our clients, our students, our customers, when I was writing the book, I put a call to action out. I said, how have the balls helped you? And I thought I was going to get just dozens and dozens of stories about people who'd busted their knee or torn their rotator cuff or had spinal surgery and help use the yoga tune-up therapy balls, the role model system to put themselves back together. But I, I think the majority of stories that I got were about emotional regulation and stress regulation. And I found that incredibly interesting that so many people are using the self-care for soothing, for psychological soothing, and comma, that psychological soothing also is always directly connected to the structure that you live in. So yeah, it's helping their knee and it's helping their rotator cuff, but the emotional component, the stress component, the ability to not take not take um, drugs that regulate you emotionally but to be able to immediately use touch and self-touch to help modulate your pain, emotional pain or physical pain or whatever it is, is extremely powerful, extremely empowering.
0: A Curious question for you. What is something that you see in, um, in clients or for your folks really often regularly, you know, as far as like self care practices that most people mm-hmm. could be using right now, like actionable tools that people's like, you got to do this today.
1: Yeah. E- easily the gut work, the gut work helps everybody. Uh, it's posture-related. I mean, most people are compromised constantly by the conditions of our environment. So sitting, you know, I mean, staring into computers, locking your head in that one position constantly all day, um, impacts your respiratory tissues, hands down. So one thing, and I do this with I do this with athletes, you know, pro athletes, and I also do it with grandma. It's something that it doesn't discriminate and everybody needs it for different reasons, but it helps to turn off the sympathetic overflow in the nervous system. It tamps that down. Immediately, they get into a relaxed state, and then you can get some real work done because you can't really work well on soft tissue when you're in a heightened state, right? The muscle bracing is global. You got to somehow MacGyver your way through that, and the way to do that is to Um, reconfigure the tensions in all the respiratory tissues. And so that includes the diaphragm, transversus abdominis, intercostals, and other muscles that may be unconsciously bracing uh, those structures. So the gut work with Cordy's Ball is a go-to. And then secondly to that, I frequently teach people footwork. And I know you're standing on a thing, I'm standing on a thing. Um, Our feet just take such a beating from walking on cement all the time, um, wearing footwear that is, you know, inhibiting articulation and and so on and so forth. So, um, those would be the sort of of some of my two go-to's I have like a million go-to's and every place is my favorite place. So, you know, ask me this question three minutes from now, I'll be like, Oh, wait a minute. The best place to go is
0: that place. Yeah. And one of the, one of the things that I've talked about on the show before is, uh, you know, the, the gut brain connection, again, fascinating, you know, the, the, we call it the second brain of your body, you know, reason being, it has more neurons pound for pound than, than that of the brain, maybe not pound for pound, but in total, it's comparable to that of the brain, as far as comp or uh, density of neurons, you know, so it's like, It is a thinking organism. If you look at like the the vagus nerve, you know, vagus nerve is such a beautiful, beautiful nerve. It looks like this like beautiful willow tree coming out from your cranium down, wrapping around your your heart and through your diaphragm and your belly. It's just, it's, it's beautiful, you know, but I I believe it's 90% of the nervous pathways from that vagus nerve are actually relating back information back up to the brain, you know, so it's like, that's a big deal. Yeah, you know, that's saying it's it's not like this. The brain is up here and just like bro, bro, head honcho with everything. The brain's a, along for the ride just as much as anything else is. You know, brain's super important. Guarantee. Maybe a little more important than like the pinky finger. You know, but it's not <laughs> as far as relationship of you know how your guts are impacting your, your current state is massive. You know, one of the, one of the things with that, it's like by doing belly work, like you're saying, you end up reducing that, that sympathetic nervous system response or back, backing yourself into that more like that parasympathetic or like rest, relax, and digest space. Another thing that I want to tag along with that is you mentioned ankle work or footwork. Um, mm-hmm. So something from, the, I believe this is probably like derived from like the osteopathic model. You know, it's like they, they, they call the, f- the foot, uh, it's like the pump of the body, right? So it's literally mm-hmm. kind of looks like like a pump handle, you know? And so when you, if, you were, if you were to like pump water out of a well or out of the ground, you, know, you have that pump and it circulates or it creates that vacuum and circulates that water. So similar concept happening with our venous flow or our blood flow back to our heart, you know, so if you have a restriction around that ankle, can you talk a little bit about how that impacts the rest of the system?
1: Yeah, no, and I would also add to that that the the, the action of the foot and ankle being a, a pump is not only helping with harmonious venous flow, but also the flow of your lymph. Because lymph only has one direction, which is down. And in order to help the migration of... Wonderful macrophage to to do their their well their well being tour through your body. You need to somehow get that blood and and the lymph moving north. Right. So the stagnancy. It's so interesting. I just had a client um, about an hour and a half ago who was here who had. A ton of knee pain. Her ankles were the size of her calves. They were just massive amount of uh, edema, and so we did we did foot and calf work. Extremely tender. She has actually really smart feet. Like her feet were. She didn't have bunions. They weren't covered with you know call uh, corns and whatnot. So she's been doing good stuff for the feet. But she's got some circulation issues for sure, and very poor range of motion in the ankles and the knees and the calves. Um, you know, when we when we are constantly uh, preventing that venous flow, you start to get some toxic buildup. You start to impact the um, elasticity of the endothelium of the veins. And that's where we start getting, those of you who are f- familiar with deep vein thrombosis or um, blood clots behind the knee, this can happen just because of um, a lack of, well, unless there's a, a certain disease that's also, predisposing you to that, but from just sitting with your knees bent all the time, like sitting in a chair, I mean, you are creating a stagnant um, uh, suture there, this very slow pressure suture. And this is near and dear to my heart because my husband had an occluded popliteal vein and he almost died from uh, pulmonary embolisms that broke off when the clot in his popliteal vein uh, finally started to um, go into other other veins in his, in his body. So, you know, it's interesting because he has collapsed arches and, um, he's had multiple knee surgeries from running. And I think all of this may have contributed to, um, poor circulation from the feet upwards. Mm. So it's interesting. I mean, who knows? I'm, I'm making jumps and leaps and assumptions here, but, um, you know, that man, that man uses the therapy balls. Constantly now, and he's actually regained hundred percent of range of motion in his knees. When I first met him, I always thought he was proposing to me because he couldn't bend his knees more than ninety degrees. So he, you know, he looked like a a guy in a, in a Renaissance play dropping down on one knee. Um, Anyway, but, so, so, but he's been able to revive those tissues, those tissues that were stuck, that were um, dysfunctional from years of abuse, non-care, or stagnant positioning. He's been able to break up adhesions himself, not with a PT and not with a doctor, but using the therapy balls and specific movements that have brought those soft tissues back to life and helped the entire environment of the knee. So the vasculature is happier when the soft tissues have better glide so no he wasn't massaging his vein he was massaging tissues that are fed by the arteries that are next to that vein does that make sense
0: yeah 100 percent. yeah and it's, it's it's really it's it's great that you're bringing that up because you know we think of like diseases throughout the circulatory system you know, it was like are like plaque building up you know mm-hmm. it's like what happens when you kink out a hose for too long and leave it out in the sun yeah, right you know, it's a similar concept. What happens? You, you have these brilliant, beautiful, fluid hoses everywhere in your body, you know? And so when you kink those things out by sitting in a chair for eight hours a day, you better believe some gunk is going to get stuck at those kinks, right? You know, mm-hmm. so... so Playing with that, you know, the fancy, fancy 50 cent word for this is mechanotransduction, you know, which is like no one needs to Mm -hmm. remember this. But if you're interested in checking it out, it's fun. You know, it's fun to have big words to throw around sometimes, you know, but mechanotransduction, what that is essentially is like the interpretation of your cells to create some, you know, whatever reaction, chemical reaction as a byproduct or as a product of our movement. You know, so it's like all day long, we are constantly moving these bodies in all these hopefully funky, fantastic ways or not, you know, and our body, every cell of our system is interpreting that information as, you know, we need to move this or we need to move that or we need to not move this or not move that or we need to build up tissue around this space and guard it. You know, it's like it's all dependent upon the information that we offer to our system. You know, it's so that we need to take some responsibility for this. You know, we need to recognize it's like, you know, maybe, you know, you have a genetic thing, but then, you know, read Bruce Lipton's book, you know, read, read about epigenetics, you know, and get into like, you know, get a little more optimistic and empowered with, you know what? Yeah. My mom did have toe cancer or whatever it is, but like, I don't need to get toe cancer. I mean, making the toe cancer part up, you know, but it's like, it's the movement choices that dictate the evolution of yourself. You know, so I'm curious, is there anything for folks that may not have, you know, a, a, a yoga tune-up kit um, right now that they could like grab around their house or like something they could do right now for their feet? Yeah,
1: like, you know, the, you've got a couch probably, you've got an end of a chair, you've got doorknobs, you've got, um, you've got to find something, uh, there's Everybody's got a dead can of tennis balls in their closet. You can use magic markers, um, you know smaller, larger things to roll on your feet or to use as a widget to um, do some self touch in and amongst the different structures of your body. I mean this is this is this has been done you know massage has been done. As far as records can go back about twenty thousand years, they found the first um, jade massage tool in 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 China, hmm. I believe. And so, you know, we've always been trying to use tools to fix ourselves. You know, this is a, there's a new wave of this happening right now. I, I create programming actually in gym chains, um, launching something with twenty four hour fitness in the next few weeks few months it's the largest gym chain in the US um so there is a a, a renaissance of of massage as a or self massage as a daily n- nutrient that has been, I think, has been missing culturally for a long time. We pay other people to do it for us, but it's so much more. And I'm not taking you out of a job, Aaron. I'm only making your client softer when they out get a to job.
0: you. No, that's the whole thing. I, I, I swear to God, I say I'm working on firing myself like every single day. It's so funny when I'm when I'm talking to clients. <laughs> the whole time I'm like, "You can do this." They're like, "Aaron, I'm paying you." I'm like, "I, I know, <laughs> but you can do this."
1: Yes, but it's yes. Not, but well, it's that's not, the thing. Is like. Because you've got your hands and bodies all the time, you know that it, with just the right angle, with just the right tool, and with the right intention, your clients probably can be creating the same, if not better results, because it's also coming from their own agency. Right. You know, I can only get you so far. You, as the initiator of the, you're the one that's doing the healing, like you are the one that's doing the healing. And so all I can do is tool around in you, but you tooling around in yourself is actually really, really works. Yeah.
0: yeah, that's, and it's a really interesting study was done by a fellow named Robert Schleip, which I'm sure you've heard his name. I'm not sure, but I would yes, think... Yes, he's in...
1: Might... I mentioned him in my book also. Oh,
0: good. Cool. Robert Schleip yeah. is, a really, is a really cool dude. And he... One of the things... I hope he's okay with me calling him a dude. I, I'm, he's probably okay with that. Um, but so Robert He's Schleip, cool with that. He's I,
1: such a hippie. He's, he's a total hippie. Right, exactly.
0: <laughs> you no, know, But one of the one of the, the studies that he had conducted... He's, he's a, 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 a rolfer, a structural integrator as well. Uh, but one of the studies that he had conducted was he had a nest uh, anesthetized a person by their, by their own volition. They were okay with it. And, um, so anesthetized being put him under anesthetics, knocked him out. And during that time, he did a myofascial, you know, release session with the person. And what they found was that nothing really happened, you know, with the person, without the person actually engaged In what's Mm. happening, nothing happens. Whoa, Mm. that's really, really big information, you know? And so, and that's why it's exactly what you're saying, where it's like you, if you're paying a massage therapist or, you know, whatever it is, you are doing the work. They are guiding the ship, you know, but you are the Mm. captain of the ship. That's the thing mm-hmm. that we got to get. It's like, we are all our own captains, you know? And so when you, I'm not worried about getting taken out of a job because I, I know that people like me and people like you are important because we are compasses, you know, nothing more, you know, it's like when you come, if you come to see me, then you're coming to look at yourself from a more global perspective perhaps, or maybe like a more local perspective. But what it is is about, it's about wow, I've noticed that I may be kind of steering my ship in in potentially a wrong direction. Could you kind of give me a perspective on how to kind of get back on track? And then from there, then you start to develop. You know, it's like somebody smart said that if if you're pointed in the right direction, all you need to do is walk. I think it was like Ben Franklin or something. You know, it's like if if you're pointed in the right direction, (laughs) you're good. You know, you can sprint, jog, you know, cartwheels, handstands, whatever you want to do. But it's the, it's the pointing in the right direction part. And that's the part that I, you know, I, I would like to see our society recognize that we are all moving in a direction. You know, it's about getting that compass and finding the right way Well, how way about just go.
1: moving? How about just moving? <laughs> like, I would just say, like, just get up. Stop sitting so much. Like, sure. like, just get moving. And then once you start to move, then you start to realize, well, I probably can get more out of this. And then that's why there are people who are eight steps ahead of you because they've been maybe doing it their whole life. And you go see an expert, you get some input, and then you take charge
0: yeah, of
1: your own destiny.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, and so one of, the, one of the biggest things is like the engine of the ship. I'm like always doing analogies. The engine of the ship would be like you know, your breath. You know, it's like you are charging your organs. You're moving your whole fascial system. You know, it's like when we're walking and we're breathing, we're literally doing this oscillatory pump thing, right? That circulates all of our fluids through our body, right? Without that, there's going to be some serious stagnation. And one of the things that you, I forget what your technique is called. What is? Is it the, the role model or what was it called? The the, the breathing technique that you, that I saw and I think it was like YouTube or I don't know where I saw it exactly, but- oh.
1: Well, there's a a couple of things that I've done on whatever YouTube or different webinars I've done. I I teach diaphragm isolations. A lot of these are found in the yogic arts. So there's one called the diaphragm vacuum, also known as Udhyana Bandha, and also lateral abdominal churning, which is called Nali Kriya. Um, And it requires that you're able to differentiate your respiratory diaphragm away from, uh, or rather in. Create a stretch between the d- respiratory diaphragm and its downstairs neighbors, and then do some really crazy stuff. It looks supernatural, but they're they're fascinating they're you know they're fascinating sort of show stopping poses and i 'm really glad that I can do them because it gives me the opportunity to actually address body image it gives me the opportunity to address proper breathing it gives me the opportunity to address the interconnected body, relaxation um, and just help people to get familiar with their, their, their structures that are also supporting their spine. So it gets me, um, gets me to be able to talk about, um, spinal health and posture.
0: Hmm. And would it be possible? And this is all, what's that? Go ahead. I was going to say, would it, would it be possible to, to like guide folks through like a a brief breathing exercise by chance? Oh, sure. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, So what I'll do is I'll lead you through the diaphragm vacuum, which is probably the simplest way to feel the respiratory diaphragm stretching. It's helpful if you're in a reclined position, meaning you're laying down initially to do this. And I also ask that you close your eyes so that you create an environment that's a little less stimulated. And you begin by exhaling. You let your body exhale. And then you concentrate on the gut area and initially breathe so that your belly swells. It distends in all directions. And then go ahead and exhale without force. So you just let the reflexive action of the diaphragm do its thing you breathe in again the belly swells and that means the diaphragm is actually pushing down it's contracting and that creates a distension in the guts and as you exhale the diaphragm flies north it goes towards the rib cage and it's connected to all structures below so there's a little hollow a natural hollow that happens on exhale do that one more time you inhale the belly swells and on exhale you just allow your exhale to happen Now, do the same breath in your rib cage. So don't allow your abdomen to move, but breathe into your ribs. And if you're not quite sure how to do that, you can stick your hands onto the side of the ribs and push them hard with your hands. And when you breathe, you should feel your ribs fighting against your pushing hands. And on exhale, uh, help your ribs to collapse a little bit. Give them a little nudge from your hands. Inhale again. The the ribs balloon. And on exhale, you, you squinch them in. And do that one more time. This is a thoracic breath, by the way. The expansion of the ribs on inhalation. This isn't about your belly right now. It's about the ribs. On an exhale, you let go. Now, I'm going to sew those two breaths together. So inhale into your belly. The same breath travels into your ribs. This is called an abdominal thoracic breath, by the way. And then go ahead and exhale. And do that again. You inhale. The belly swells. The same breath punches the ribs apart and then exhale, you let go. Now I'm gonna change something. We're gonna inhale just the way you did. You inhale belly, inhale ribs, and then exhale everything, but actually assist the exhalation. Blow the air out, get it out through your nose. And now once you've stopped exhaling, don't inhale. Let all the tissues of your core go slack, and then poof your ribs apart as if you had taken a rib cage breath. Stretch your ribs apart as if you had taken a ribcage breath. And if you're doing this correctly, you'll feel this very strange suction. And then let that go. And I'll talk you through that again because it's weird. Inhale belly. Inhale ribs. And then use tensioners to get rid of the breath. In fact, overcharge your exhale. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. Now stop getting rid of it. Don't inhale. Let your tissues go slack, but Spread your ribs as if you had inhaled into your rib cage. Remember that feeling of the ribs pushing against the hands? So broaden them, puff them out. And if you're doing that correctly, you will feel a suction literally from pelvic floor to throat. Those sphincters are going to be pulled into this weird pneumatic stretch, this vacuum. And let go. So that's the diaphragm vacuum.
0: I like that a lot. That's, um, yeah, I think that it's so easy to forget about our breath throughout the day. It's like there's so many things that we have to do. It's like breathing is number one, you know, <laughs> and it's so easy to forget about that. You know, it's like the, the free stuff is the stuff that really makes you healthy. You know, eat or eat like mm, good food from the ground. True. Take big breaths, you know, go for long walks. Look at, you know, expand your depth perception. You know, look over the valley. Don't always look at your your computer screen. You know, myopia. It's like, you know, short sightedness. How many people are becoming short sighted these days? We're staring at the same junk all day long. It's four feet away from our face. You know, so it's like, I, I love like there's little reminders, those little things that people can do. It's just like, man, you think that it's so complicated to keep this, you know, this system going. It's like our evolution or God or whatever you want to believe did not make it that complicated for us. You know, we've overcomplicated the whole thing. And so I was curious, I wanted to um, talk a little bit about Crepitus. unless you have anything else you want to you want to chat about in in regards to breath we can definitely get back to that because it's definitely kind of transitioning but we're running out of time and so i wanted i want to just people that have like sound coming out of random parts of their body and their knees or you know their hips are popping or you know they're they're cracking their knuckles or cracking their neck like you said you were doing you know is there is there anything is there like is there safe cracking is there not safe cracking is there some sounds that are okay other sounds that are not okay is there some way to alleviate these bodies of unnecessary popples and crackles and crepitous sounds
1: oh my god well it depends on what part of your body you're talking about Aaron. <laughs> it's like
0: let's do the huge- knees
1: your knees. Sure. Well, your your knees. Your knees should be quiet. They should be very. you have a very very thick. Not only do you have these amazing cushions called menisci in your knee, which provide cushioning, but you also have the thickest layer of cartilage and the slickest, the thickest and the slickest uh, behind your patella, and they're they're all designed to work extremely harmoniously, but. Our, the way we wear out our knees has a lot to do with, well, one, we could have had an injury or an accident. Two, it could be the way our, our feet are falling on the earth. It could be the shoes that we are wearing eventually are creating a wear pattern that creates more forces going into one side of the knee versus the other. And then we start to – or you can be like me. You could have overstretched your knees doing crazy yoga poses back in your 20s, doing uh, too many uh, – uh, Lotus poses and sticking my lotus up my nose. I mean, like I did crazy stuff, and I overstretched all my knee ligaments. Uh, luckily, I, I don't have knee pain, but there are sounds in there from those overstretched ligaments. I have to be extremely mindful now of how I control my my knees in the in the context of explosive types of movement or loaded movements, um, and including walking. So you know sounds. Sounds can happen involuntarily, like the sound of CO2 just um, uh, being discharged from tissues when you you quickly move them. Sometimes you'll just hear a pop sound of uh, that dissolved CO2 uh, making a sound like that. Sometimes your hips make sounds because of unmanaged tensions between different tendons of the hip. Um, It just there's so many different types of sounds that come from uh, from the body. I think I got off course of the knee there, didn't I? No, it's okay. Um, If you hear an excess of sound in your knees, I would definitely that would be something that I would swim upstream and go to a clinician who knows more than you. If you're a coach or if you're a trainer and you're hearing tons of sound from your own knees or you're hearing tons of sound from your client's knees, if your cues or your positioning isn't helping to ameliorate those sounds, then you may want to actually have an assessment so that you can have a higher level thinking about which tissues need to get released, which tissues need to get stronger, and what life behaviors are you doing that are contributing to uh, make those sounds persistent you know, day in and day out in the context of exercise or in the context of movement.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know, so essentially, I think what it comes down to with that is, you know, make sure your your sliding layers are sliding. You know, and so it's like when we when when our tissue ends up becoming agglomerated or stuck or dehydrated or you know however you want to call it, you know, when that starts to happen, the likelihood of that fascial web that we're all living in getting maybe stuck up on some bony protrusion or you know, or, or flipping over a, over a bone or you know whatever it is. You know, it's like the likelihood of that starting to happen greatly increases. You know, when you add the right type of oil to the system, oil in this, in this moment is, is motion, right? You know, Eric Dalton, he calls, he calls motion lotion. Motion is lotion. You know, so it's like, it's like as we're moving, we're, we're pumping that fluid through that system. You know, but then the next thing is like movement's not enough. <laughs> you know, it's like movement, super important. But now it's how are you moving? You know, so it's like, that's what I I agree with, you know, swim upstream a little bit, you know, check out I got, I have hundreds of videos online. You can check this stuff out. Kelly Starrett's really good about this too. Um, Jill Miller's really good about this. You know, we have all this stuff out here that it's like, check it out. You know, it's like there, there are great, great resources on Dr. Google to see how functional our movement really is. You know, so if you're coming down and you're collapsing the knee, collapsing the foot, whatever it is, very likely you're putting stress on that joint. And at first it probably is not going to matter. When it's going to start to matter is when that starts to layer up and layer up and layer up and layer up. And all of a sudden you're in a very compromised dangerous position, you know, and that's, you know, there's, there's also degrees of like popping. That's probably not quite so dangerous, you know, like popping knuckles and stuff like that. Maybe not great for you, but it's not the same degree of, you know, squatting incorrectly, you know, where you're putting that pressure on the meniscus, you know, or or, Mm -hmm. there's so many different potentials where it's like, this is real, real preventable pathologies that we're dealing with. And it's just a matter of having a little bit of awareness and then maintaining our tissue, you know, and then just practice, practice, practice. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, so
1: yeah, being vigilant, vigilant about position. Yeah, absolutely. Totally. I, I am definitely a, a structural. I'm on the structural bias with you, Aaron. So I totally. hear everything you're saying. And I'm like, yes. <laughs> <Preach it. laughs> and thank you for giving a shout out to Kelly. Kelly is an amazing uh, practitioner, an amazing coach, amazing father and an amazing writer. He wrote the forward to my book. Thank you very much. Totally. Um, and I actually tell his story in my book about his relationship to asthma and being an athlete who was literally taken out of the game by a wrist injury that was totally connected to his asthma breathing pattern. Mm. So it's a really cool story.
0: Awesome. Yeah, so we are running out of time on your end here. So is there anything that... Anything you'd like to, if there's one of the questions I ask folks at the, at the end of, of our chats is if you could go back to a, a previous version of yourself and give yourself any type of words of wisdom, what would that be? And you're not allowed to say, I wouldn't change anything because I love my mistakes and la, la, la. We need, we need, we need advice for Jill Miller.
1: I, my words of wisdom to my little girl self <laughs> is to trust your magic trust your gift
0: awesome cool i love it and then how do we find you find your products find your book get connected all that
1: um you can find my website yogatuneup.com or go to the and that's two l's r-o-l-l role model um, I'm on social media as at Yoga Tune Up with Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. You can find me on Facebook, Jill Miller Author, or the Yoga Tune Up Facebook page. We also have 350 teachers worldwide. And so if you're interested in not just the therapy ball work, but actually the movement programming that we do, which is extremely customized and extremely um, inter- Personal. There's. It's not. There's no code. You're not. You don't go through like a. Uh, what's like. You don't feel like you're in a flowchart when you're taking yoga tune-up lessons or a yoga tune-up class. It's very much an in-the-moment, um, incredibly creative and intelligent approach that will help support whatever it is you do in life, whether you like to play soccer or whether you're an athlete or whether you're a person who doesn't give two figs about exercise, you just want to get out of pain because you had knee surgery, we are that intermediate place in terms of um, the programming that we offer. And you'll find us at yoga studios, gyms, CrossFit boxes, and medical, uh, medical facilities worldwide and you can find us by going to the website, yogatintup.com. The products are on yogatintup.com. The book is on Amazon or at Barnes Noble or Costco. Um... And yeah, I look forward to connecting with any of your followers. It sounds like we have a very, very similar mindset. Right. <laughs> and it's been a real trip talking with you, Aaron.
0: Cool. Sweet. Yeah. Um, there's so much more to cover. So at some point, we'll just have you on again. and We can we can get into some other Well,
1: maybe other I'll stuff see you go. at the Fascia Research Congress in September. Are you planning on going?
0: I am planning on going to that. So that'll be sweet. I'll definitely check you out there for sure.
1: I'll see you there for Bye. sure.
0: Radical. Cool. Thank you, Jill.
1: <laughs> whoop, whoop. Thanks, Aaron. <laughs>